This is the Practical Homeopathy Podcast, episode number 80 with Joette Calabrese. This is Joette Calabrese, and I'd like to welcome you to the Practical Homeopathy Podcast. Women and men worldwide are taking back control of their family's health and learning how to heal their bodies naturally, safely, and effectively. So if you're hungry to learn more, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned as we give you the tools and the inspiration you need as I share my decades of experience and knowledge using this powerful medicine we call homeopathy. here to talk again about what is homeopathy. We're going to answer that question and expound upon that a little bit more today in this podcast. Yes, that's right, Kate. The um, reason that I wanted to expound on this a little bit more is because last time when we discussed what is homeopathy, I gave more of a uh, history of homeopathy so that people can understand what's behind the story and also what to say to folks. This time, I would not urge people to get too involved in explaining this, but sometimes we want to have a better understanding ourselves. And should we come across someone who wants a little more explanation, that's what I wanted to offer today, just to get a little bit clearer about what homeopathy is. So in the gateway too, we talk about this very question, what is homeopathy? And I know the reason that you put that in there is because you wanted to give people tools that they can use when they're asked that question. So I know that you wanted to talk about what you've written in your gateway Two study guide. Yeah. Now gateway Two is the second group that follows after taking gateway one, <laughs> which is a study group. And these are all virtual study groups for those of you who don't know what is available for learning experiences. So it can be virtual or it can be some ladies or men. We've had a group of men getting together in their home and and going through these study guides. It's a really great resource for people who want to learn more about homeopathy. So I know you wanted to dive into that book just a little bit. Yes, yes. So this is what I've written. I'm going to read directly from, from the book, page 35. Homeopathy is a system of medicine that's fundamentally different from conventional allopathic medicine. Whereas allopathic medicine focuses on suppression of symptoms, generally, homeopathy seeks to correct the underlying imbalance that caused the symptoms in the first place. Homeopathy achieves this by strengthening the body's own defenses, thereby allowing the body to heal itself. Another way to explain homeopathy is that it works on the principle that like cures like. This principle says that any substance that can cause illness in a healthy person can cure that illness if manipulated in such a way as to minimize the toxic properties and leave only the curative ability. And that's done, of course, through homeopathic medicines. This is accomplished through a manufacturing process where each medicine is prepared using a series of repeated dilutions and succussions. And by the way, this is very mathematical and pharmacological. It's not done willy-nilly. This is done in a very systematic way. So these medicines are made by homeopathic pharmacies in accordance with the standards and processes described in the homeopathic pharmacopoeia of the United States. 
which is HPUS, and are regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. So homeopathy is regulated by the Food and Drug Administration because it is considered medicine. They're not supplements, not herbs, not vitamins, not essential oils. In fact, I used to consider it holistic, and now I'm thinking a little differently about how we present that. Because as soon as you say holistic, people think that what I mean is it is synonymous with holistic. And homeopathy is not. It is a very specific medical paradigm that does not use conventional drugs. That's really the best way to put this. I think that is the main thing that homeopathy is confused with is they hear the word homeopathy and they think that it means just general natural medicine, you know, including all those things that you mentioned, essential oils and herbs and every type of natural medicine. Don't you think that's the biggest misconception? Well, it's the misconception of someone just hearing the word for the first time. Yes, it's very common because of the, unfortunately in the word homeopathy is the prefix homeo. And people think that means home, such as in home remedies. And that really throws off the discussion from that time forward. Mm-hmm. I remember having a discussion with a friend, oh, 35 years ago, who said homeopathy means holistic. And I said, no, it doesn't. It means it's a specific kind of medicine. And she said, no, it really means it's, you know, it's herbs. I said, no, it really isn't. I don't want to get into an argument with a friend, but you really need to look this up. Now, at that time, of course, there was no internet to look it up. But I even worry about that because... Harkening back to the discussion we had in the last podcast was that I don't trust Wikipedia, not for a New York minute. But if you look it up, according to the National Center for Homeopathy and organizations that promote homeopathy, you will get a better definition, of course. But I also want to read something that's from a fabulous book called Nanodynamics. And it's written by Dr. E.S. Rajendran. And I love the way he puts this. He tells us, and it is absolutely so, homeopathy is nanoscience. It's nanomolecular. So I'm just going to read this little section. In the process of scientific evolution, the greatly acclaimed Cartesian mechanistic model is making way for the realities thrown up by nanoscience and the related technology. Now we realize that there is a clear and subtle world present in nanoscience. So nanoscience and nanotechnology accept and realize that particles smaller than the size of 100 nanometer process properties entirely different from that of particles of a larger size. They are capable of showing new chemical and physical properties absent in particles of bigger dimensions. It is observed that these particles smaller than a critical size have different electronic structure, conductivity, reactivity, melting temperature, and mechanical properties. And then he goes on to say that the reason that we know this, that we've been able to experience this or note this, is the recent advent, of course, of nanoscience and its related technology with the advanced electron microscope. We're now capable of seeing the particles that homeopathy has been saying are there for all these 230 years. You know, there's a video on YouTube that I found in the last couple of years, and it actually shows that there's a man, I don't remember his name, but with a large microscope, and 
he was talking about that very thing that you just said, Joette, that now they can actually see the molecular structure left, say, on the glass of a water that you put some homeopathic remedy in. And they pour it out and they see that molecular structure is left on the glass. And so now with those microscopes, they're seeing these particles. Yes. So it's now become, it's no longer enigmatic. What we're talking about is something that was misunderstood for all these years because there simply wasn't the clear evidence. Now we have the clear evidence. However, having said that, they did not know the mechanism of aspirin for more than half a century, 75 years, yet conventional doctors still administered it regularly. It was only just discovered the action or the mechanism in aspirin about, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm guessing now that it was discovered about 25 years ago. But up until that time, it didn't mean they didn't use it just because they didn't understand the mechanism. They just knew that it showed action. When there was a fever, it brought the fever down. That's clinical evidence. When there was swelling, it brought the swelling down. Clinical evidence, observation. And if we don't use that observation and dismiss it as only an occasional event or not holding enough water because there was no study of hundreds or thousands of people behind it, we are going to lose out on an awful lot. Mm -hmm. In fact, it always makes me chuckle when personally I have seen in the very beginning when I was first using homeopathy long before I was in practice or teaching it, that when I use belladonna for an extremely high fever in my children, one son in particular, the fever went down in very short order. And one could say, well, that's just the progression of the illness and that was going to happen anyway. But not when it's time and time again. So it's not unlike you put the key into your car and you turn it and the ignition goes on. Well, how do you know that was what did it? <laughs> well, because every time I do that, it works. How do you know? Well, because I've done it 500 million times <laughs> and it works. And That's you can't, how we know. And you can't necessarily explain how it works. That's right. <laughs> you just I, don't, I know nothing about cars. <laughs> my husband and my sons could tell you everything about cars. I know nothing. All I know is I put my key in, turn it, and it starts. And then I'm on my way. And that's good enough because that's pure observation and logic. And so for those who don't believe in homeopathy, all they need is to be cured of something right. or observe a cure in someone else, particularly someone who they have a vested emotional interest in. Mm -hmm. So if you see your child suffering and the child is no longer suffering because you've just given whatever belladonna for the extreme fever or arnica for pain or whatever it might be, and you see it time and again after a while, you kind of have to sit back and show some respect to this medicine. Joette, I wanted to bring up something that I find very interesting. On our last podcast, there was a nurse that wrote down a comment, and I just want to read it to you. She says, excellent podcast, and thanks for letting us read it too. I feel an exciting door has opened for me. I'm a retired pediatric nurse, but have moved away from traditional medicine. I'm a believer in natural cures, healthy eating, staying away from allopathic medicine unless necessary. So what I find fascinating is the number of nurses that I see on your students of Joette page or writing comments to blogs and 
podcasts or even in the study groups that I lead. Almost every study group, there is at least one nurse. And so I find that very exciting. Well, nurses are unique because more often than not, they're in the trenches. The doctors prescribe the drug for, let's say, a chronic condition, because I do have to separate those two. I think that in acute situations, drugs can be life-saving. For chronic conditions, then that's where I think modern medicine falls short. But they're in the trenches, and the doctor prescribes it on the phone, or now fax or email or you know, texting Tablet. or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know because they have to be legal about this, so they have to be very careful. So the nurse administers the medication and then she's there and she observes. And I've heard many, many, countless numbers of nurses who say, I see what these drugs are doing. He doesn't see. The doctor doesn't see it. He's not there. He's busy somewhere else. It's not that he doesn't care, it's that that's the structure of medicine and the way it has to be run. So she's seeing the pitfalls. He might see the report. She might report this or that. But observing someone suffering at the hand of a drug, observing someone going downhill at the hand of many drugs, firsthand observation is very powerful. So I would say that in all our study groups, and we have lots of them from all over the world, there's almost invariably always a nurse, mm -hmm. usually a retired nurse who had been in the trenches, as I said earlier, and has seen too many problems associated with drugs and had decided that she was not going to use drugs unless necessary. Now, I also want to say, because that's an important statement, that she said, unless necessary. What is necessary? That's a very subjective word. If you ask the prescribing doctor if it's necessary, you think he's going to say, no, this isn't necessary. Of course he's going to say it's necessary because he believes it is. And in his world, it likely is. It's the only choice. But we have to parse that out, pick it apart, tease it apart, and find a way to look at it a little differently because what might be necessary in one person's opinion is not necessary in another person's opinion. And it depends on your education. It depends on how much time you have put into your own education. Because if a child has a fever of 105, as my child did some 32 years ago, if I had taken him to the pediatrician and not been dogged about it, I'm certain that the pediatrician would have said, this is necessary that we give this child acetaminophen and an antibiotic. But I found that the medicine sulfur-30 brought down the fever within minutes and proved to me, my mother and one of my closest friends, as we observed my child come out of this high fever lingering for days, that it indeed would have been unnecessary and that what was necessary was sulfur 30C. So what is necessary? And we want to change that. And it doesn't mean that you don't listen to doctors. I would never say that. I think that they can be very valuable for diagnostics. We do want to bow to their knowledge in that arena, but it doesn't mean that the treatment is always the exact answer. We don't want to be foolish about this, but we have to weigh out the words. We have to weigh homeopathy against allopathic medicine in many, many circumstances.
And as a mother or grandmother, that's a hearty, heavy-duty responsibility. But if we take our mothering and grandmothering seriously, this is where it all boils down to separating the girls from the women, the ones with gut spunk and moxie from those who are unsure. And don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean you're not going to be unsure when you make these decisions. But if you can hoist up your thinking, your confidence by good training in homeopathy, it's likely that you'll get it right more often than not. Mm-hmm. And by training, I mean self-training. I'm not saying going to college, I mean, or go to a homeopathy school. I'm saying that you can learn this, folks, on your own. You can learn this all by yourself, but of course, what I love best is that folks join study groups, which is why I'm happy that you mentioned that earlier, Kate. Uh, Because for every person in your study group is a story attached to that person, perhaps two or three stories, and how they use this medicine and how it worked or how they use that homeopathic medicine and it didn't work or it did work. And each of those stories are much more memorable than if you're just reading a book. You will never forget the time that Alice said when her dog got hit by the car and the dog was screaming and she gave the dog aconitum and hypericum that the dog was relieved. You'll never forget it. You'll have that image in your mind forever. And then there's Alice and her daughter who are in the study group. And then there's the other group of people who are all telling their stories. And that's how we learn and how we share this information and get this out. And I believe, I personally, and I know this probably sounds trite to some, I have a mission. This is important stuff that we're getting out there. And in case you haven't noticed, I don't monetize my blog. I do teach classes. I do indeed. And I hope that you would commit to them at some point in your journey in learning how to use homeopathy. But my blog is not monetized. That means I don't have any advertisers on it. Because if I had an advertiser on my blog, I'd have to write articles to their products so that it pays for my blog. That's how it's done, folks. And your podcasts, not monetized. And and the podcasts are not monetized, nor is Facebook Live. Everything I do, nor does my article in my column in Wise Traditions, it's not monetized. I'm not paid for that. I do it because I need to get this information out there. Then when I give you the information on which homeopathic medicine to use in my articles on the blog, and it's written in blue, and you click on it, and it takes you to either Amazon or Boron, wherever else we can find the medicines, I am offered by these entities to be paid back for every click through. And that's called an affiliate program. And I don't accept it. I said, no, thank you. I don't want that. Because I don't want to be giving you information that I will instantly be paid for. My payment is that you do it and you get someone in your family well or yourself and you write to me. Tell me on the blog. I want to know about it. Tell the world about it. My payment is to send it off to other people. Get it out there. This is how I want you to help me. This is how you can repay me. I want you to have the burden of knowing that you must get this out there. You must get homeopathy to your friends and your relatives. Teach your children. Raise them knowing how to use homeopathy. Start your familial 
legacy. Teach your children, teach your grandchildren. When you pass, they will remember you as the one who taught them how to treat an injury or an infection or a psychological concern. And then that will be passed on. And you will have built a legacy and homeopathy's legacy as well. So if you're wanting to know how to explain to someone how to help them understand homeopathy, a couple of options. They can listen to the podcasts. They can get those study guides, the Gateway 1 and the Gateway 2, and take their friends and their family through those study guides. They can go to your free resources section on your website. That's joettecalibres.com. And if you click on the free resources tab and then scroll down to free community, in that section, you have a lot of resources, articles, research papers. Um, what else? Studies. Studies. Right. Studies on there. Studies done by doctors, by uh, pharmacists, by hospitals, by clinics that you're not going to find here in the United States. It's mostly in Europe and India, South America. It's a simple explanation is this. When someone says, well, what is homeopathy? You could simply say, oh, it's the medicine that works without the side effects. <laughs> right. It's the one that we use to cure without the side effects. It's the medicine that's inexpensive. Now, if you have to go further than that, then by all means. And remember, don't go too far. You have to be able to read who you're speaking to. You don't know how much they want to know. You don't want to come across too heavily. We have to balance that zealous personality aspect that many of us have, including obviously me. And you want to appeal to their emotions, but you also want to appeal to their intellect. And that's what I'm trying to do today. And what Kate's trying to get across is that there is information out there that you can study and read and have as a resource so that you understand who has done the research and how it's been done. So when people ask me, Joette, I usually give a short answer similar to the things that you said today. And then I say, if you want to know more, go to joettecalibres.com. And there's a tab at the top of your website homepage and it says new to homeopathy question mark and they can just click on there and go through those things and learn more and dig and research for themselves and i say and i have a study group coming up if you want to join that and you can learn for yourself about homeopathy i know kate you've run how many study groups have you organized i don't know joette i think over 10 or 14, I don't know, something like that. Over Excellent. 10. <laughs> you're, and you're one of the stars doing this. We have other uh, ladies who are doing it too, and they run these study groups all the time as well. And sometimes there are only 10 in the group, and we've had groups with as many as 99 people in them, and all meeting virtually. So Kate, I know that people are going to ask this in the question and answer, and then you're going to be gone, and I'm going to be answering these <laughs> questions, you know, at two in the morning. So... <laughs> <laughs> so how do people join a study group that you're running? How do they do that? Well, they can find me under the Facebook page, Joette's Study Group, Find Your New Study Group Friends. So if you go to that Facebook page, you can find um, an advertisement for the study groups that I'm starting, as well as all the other people who are starting yes. study groups. That's where you can find everyone who's starting a study group. Well, so, what's nice about having a choice of those who are running these study groups is because some of them do it on Thursday nights, right? Um, you know, eight weeks in a row, and others do them on Saturday morning. So you want to decide depending on where your little bit of free time comes in. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Joy, I know our listeners love to hear recommendations for remedies on these podcasts. So can you give us a little tip on using one remedy before we leave today? Yes. If you are worried that you are going to make the wrong decisions, if you're worried that your husband is not going to like homeopathy because he's new to it, if you're burdened by being overwhelmed, trying to learn all of this, I'm not talking about a little discomfort. I'm talking about something that is long lasting, that's been a problem. And now you're up at night thinking about it. I would urge those people who suffer from this, not who are just touched by it, but suffer from it, to go to one of the most wonderful homeopathic medicines on earth, and that is Ignatia Amara. I-G-N-A-T-I-A, second word is Amara, A-M-A-R-A. It's named after St. Ignatius because it's harvested around St. Ignatius Day. And we use that in a 200 potency, and it helps people who have too much on their minds fall asleep. It helps people who are overwhelmed not feel so overwhelmed. It's more often for women, but it is also a grand medicine for men as well. So remember this, Ignatia. I've written about it many times because it is such a ubiquitous medicine. It it has so many places in our day-to-day world that it is a mainstay. And I want you all to remember that it's a mainstay. Not Ignatia 30 can help. Not Ignatia 6 can be useful. Not Ignatia 1M. No, 200 is the potency that I find to be the most efficacious. One time Serena took Ignatia and I feel like it just popped in her mouth and right away, boom, she was changed from taking Ignatia. I remember you telling me about that, Kate. It can happen that quickly. It can happen so quickly that it's not even completely swallowed. It's just (laughs) slightly melting in the mouth and chewed up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen with Buster. When my husband leaves town, Buster freaks And if he's restless, I don't give him Ignatia. I give him something else. But if he's not restless and he's just kind of sitting at that door pining for my husband, I give him Ignatia. And within short order, it's not always that it works that quickly, but certain times, certain circumstances, certain people, um, Mm -hmm. it works more quickly for. And then I can get him to come to bed. Come on, let's go. Just because Perry's not here doesn't mean you can't go to sleep. So here you go. Get in your little bed in my bedroom. And and then he's fine the rest of the night. Everyone should have Ignatia. That's right. Not take Ignatia, but everyone should have No, it we don't want to there. take this willy-nilly because as we said, hearkening back to the beginning of our conversation, this is medicine. Mm-hmm. We only use it when there's pathology. Mm-hmm. When there's something wrong, then we use it. Not because, oh, well, let's just give it a try. And you're better off saving it for when it's necessary. But have it in your toolkit and be ready to use it when you need it. You bet. As I hope you know by now, on my blog, podcasts, and Facebook Live, I offer as many protocols for simple conditions as I can, for free, without affiliates or advertising. But let me be clear, when it comes to more complex conditions, it's key that you learn how to use these medicines properly. I want you to be well-trained. So I save discussions of the more involved methods for my courses in which I walk students through each method with step-by-step training. 
I hope listening to this podcast has inspired you to follow in their footsteps. With the proper training, you too can nurture and protect the health of your family and loved ones with practical homeopathy. You just listened to a podcast from practicalhomeopathy.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay strong through homeopathy. Joette's podcasts are available on iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. To learn more and find out if homeopathy is a good fit for your health strategy, visit practicalhomeopathy.com.